G'day guys, just me again. Thanks so much to everyone who listened to the first episode. It did so much better than I thought it would and I have you all to thank for that. You guys are the best. Also, thank you to everyone who's left a rating review already. If any others have a few seconds to do the same, you can so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use and also just sharing in your socials about the potty. I will absolutely love you forever and it would mean the world to me. On today's episode, I was lucky enough to catch up with an old friend of mine, Andrew Stokes, or better known as Stokesy. He had such an awesome story to share about attempting to keep an AFL dream alive, transitioning into a new sport, then packing away his entire life to move to America to start his college football career. I had so much fun recording this with Stokesy. It was fascinating to learn about what sacrifices he has made to get to where he is. I also will admit I do make a bit of a mistake and refer to his games as episodes. To anyone who picks that up, don't worry, I am well aware. I hope you enjoy this one and thank you all again for the support. Much love. One, two, three, four. G'day and welcome to the Matt and Mates podcast. Join me as we share some stories from some old and new mates. We're on. Sweet. Stokesy, thanks for coming on today, mate. Really appreciate you giving up the time. No worries, mate. Appreciate you for having me. And what over in America at the moment, what time is it over there right now? Uh, it's about almost eight o'clock at night, 8 p.m. So just almost finished up our Tuesday. So you've got me out of bed early for this then. Um, and I appreciate that, but luckily I don't start working was, later. So you're okay. Was, was either you or me, mate. I'd rather you. <laughs> I'll cop the hit. I'll cop the hit. Um, <laughs> basically today I've known you for some time and I've got to see some, of your life unfold ahead of us, uh, going all the way back from our Jero days to now you up in the big smoke in America. So a little background yeah. between us. We, uh, we're we both Midwest boys, played a bit of footy together back in, um, yep. was it Railways? You were with me? Yeah, yeah back at Railways, yeah. Yep, your junior days at Railways. Um, and a fun fact about you, I don't know whether you still do this or not, but I remember you having the double-hander drop punt. <laughs> yeah, that look, that stuck with me for a while, mate, and that uh, <laughs> was the cause of a lot of bullying. So I think by the time I ended up playing league, I uh, I tried to teach myself how to how to kick properly and how to drop the ball properly. So it's uh, it's thankfully it's gone to the one-handed ball drop, not the not it's the double. one-handed now. Were you doing that in the waffle as well when yeah. you were playing there, or do you uh? Did you try to just do the one-hander? No, it was, it was a few of the uh, local boys at Railways sort of kept giving me a bit of crap about it. So, um, yeah, it was a few pre-seasons where I was just on my own teaching myself to drop the ball with one hand, and luckily I did that. Luckily I did that before I, I moved to Perth and started playing at East. Mate, it's a unique skill. I would have been holding on to it if I were you. You've, I'm seeing a lot of the double-handed bounces in the AFL at the moment, so the double-handed drop punt's a pretty good one. I mean, look, mate, I don't want to say it, but maybe I started the trend before it was a trend. So I was I was <laughs> Jeez, before it's was time. 15 years ago, it was, it was all you. It was all you. <laughs> um, I exactly, like mate, exactly. With, yeah. <laughs> I like to start off with a bit of a question, um, and it's not related to what we're going to go through today. It's just simply get a bit of a knowledge from you. Basically... If you could go back to a moment in history, whether it's before your time or during your time, and it doesn't matter where or when it is, when would it be? Oh, damn. That's a good question. I, don't, I think, I think I, I mean, I was born in the 90s, but I think I wouldn't mind probably being born in late 70s or the 80s, I guess. So then I... Uh, I could remember a bit more of the nineties and um, enjoy it a bit more and not be so young and, hmm. and like find that time hard to remember. I think around the nineties was a pretty good time of time to be alive. The best era, wasn't it? 
Yeah, you're not wrong, mate. You're not wrong. Yeah. So let's get into it, shall we? Midwest boy. Let's do it. Played, played footy for most of your life. Give us a bit of background. Where where did you start off from? Were you always from Geraldton or was there a bit of a transfer over to there? Um, so I wasn't originally from Geraldton. I, I grew up in a little town, probably an hour and a half inland of Geraldton uh, called Morrowa. And it's a little country town, farming community, probably uh, 800 people, I think, back in the day. I don't know if it's still that or if it's gone less, but, yeah, 800 people all together and probably two. Yeah, probably less, but there was about 200 people that lived in town and and I was uh, one of those one of those guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, I grew up, grew up out there, I guess, pretty much all the way through primary school and um, started playing football and things like that out there and, and trying different sports that I could, but... Uh, I guess with schooling, it's in the in the country. It's not not as good as uh, what you might hope for when it comes to high school. So, uh, yeah, I ended up moving over to Geraldton. I think about halfway through year eight, and um, that's where I obviously met a lot of you guys through high school and through sports and things like that, and uh, continued on through football. Um, and I mean, I love being in Geraldton. It was it was a great. Great, great place to be on the beach, and I mean, since then I, I found my love for the ocean, and and can't be away from it, mate. I don't, I don't want to be too far away from it ever again. Um, are, you, are you close to the ocean? Yeah, I was, I was in Geraldton, and I'm probably about forty minutes away from the ocean, which which is a bit of pain because we don't get a whole lot of time off with with school and football and things like that. So you got to pick your moments when you when you do want to go, but. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's close enough for me that I can nip off to the beach if I need to. But um, yeah, it's wouldn't mind being right on the water, that's for sure. Then after that, moved to Perth, which I think quite a few of us ended up doing, and um, yeah, continue playing football and working. And yeah, next thing I know, I found myself all the way over here in the states. So yeah, no, you just keep jumping from place to place. Uh, when moving on to that point, um, moving up to Perth, was that for any particular reason? Was that to go to uni or just uh, get into your football? I think a lot of my uh, my group of friends were all moving to Perth to go to university and things like that. And um, I guess in my uh, around 16, 17, playing football at railways, I started to get a little bit of um, a bit of a look from the recruits at or recruiters at East Fremantle to go and play football there. And yeah, I thought it'd be a pretty good opportunity to, to head there and um, see what I could do. And, and I guess try my luck with that opportunity and see where AFL, see if AFL was an option. Obviously most kids dreams when they grow up are to, to play sport for a living or play AFL. I know that was certainly mine. So uh, yeah, I was try, doing everything I could to try and, Move down there and and see what that where that pathway led me. I remember you being the most unorthodox ruckman I'd seen in my life. Um, trying to kick the ball <laughs> from outside fifty too many times. Yeah, look, passing the ball in a short game wasn't wasn't really my ticket. I'd always miss, so I just figured if I if I had a long kick, then no one could say anything. It was just like, well, it's an unrealistic shot for everyone, so. <laughs> Makes you look that little bit better. Yeah, exactly. Beauty. So the dream was to obviously play AFL. So you were at East Fremantle. Was were you getting into the league stage, or was it just mainly like Colts reserves you were playing there? I uh, predominantly played Colts and reserves, uh, but I probably probably played near on. Well, Colts Colts was a good year. Like I had a good year. Um, Playing, playing there, and got a few lookouts from uh, looks from some AFL scouts. So I thought that might have been my ticket, but um, turns out I, I wasn't quite where I thought I needed to be. I didn't really quite have the, the guidance, I guess, in for what it took at that next level and, and training away from um, away from like the the normal practices you would have at East Fremantle. So um, yeah, I en- ended up not really taking off anywhere in terms of 
more AFL look or more scouts. But um, yeah, ended up going back and still trying to stick with it at East Fremantle and played for I don't know how many more years, five or six more years there. But I predominantly played reserves games. I think I played near on a hundred of them and uh, probably about seventeen in the league. So sort of in and out with my form, but. Uh, yeah, I just didn't really find my feet. Was it when you sort of realised the AFL dream wasn't going to come to be, was there any sort of motive to stay playing Waffle? Did you just think you had to continue keep playing at that level or did the drive leave you? What what sort of happened at that stage? Um, well, I mean, I, I wanted to stick around. I I really like playing sport for a living. I mean, sport's ingrained at me. If I could sit down and watch watch sport all day, every day, then I probably would, to be honest. My family's known for that. They know, like, when the football was on back home on a Sunday that I probably wouldn't move from the couch. I'd watch game after game. But um, I I really enjoyed – I did enjoy the camaraderie you get with all your all the buddies there, all your friends. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I – I just really love playing sport for a living and I wanted to do it for as long as I can. And I, I guess I did because it was a dream for me and I thought that's all I ever wanted to do. That was the one thing I'd known my whole life that I wanted to do. So it was kind of – I stuck around there for a while and, and really enjoyed it and just enjoyed being around the boys. But then towards the end of time, uh, probably my last couple of years there, maybe I was, I was fighting with my own head to – whether to stay or whether to go. And I, I knew ultimately if I left, then that was me kissing that dream of playing AFL uh, goodbye, basically. It was so it it was hard to do. But, yeah, I probably stuck around for two years fighting that battle in my own mind, whether to whether to stay or whether to go. And, um, yeah, I guess it was it's harder than you think to to let go of a dream that you've always had. It, it kind of oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes you it's, – it's a tough decision. No, no, I completely agree. I, I was sort of the same. I played AFL or playing at that level and then you just kept wanting to push yourself and cricket was the big thing for me. I wanted to play the highest I could possibly be in cricket, but two knee reconstructions at the age of 16 and 17 didn't really go in my favour and then, you know, you just you keep wanting to just try and hold on to it that little bit, but it just slowly, slowly tickers away and it's at some point in your mind you've just got to say, it's not going to happen. Just accept it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that was the hardest thing for me to grasp. I know I'd, there was many nights I would go home and um, I mean, probably the last six months before I finally stopped playing and, and called it quits. It was, it was tough. I was having conversations with my friends and uh, my family. And I, I guess I, I wasn't happy. And because I wasn't happy, I wasn't, I wasn't playing well. The form wasn't, um, adding up and, and putting it on on the field. And, yeah, I, that's where it really sort of, I guess, grinded away in my own mind. It was like, well, I'm not happy doing this. Like, as much as it is, it was a dream, maybe it is time to, to let it go and see what other opportunities come my way and um, at least be happy mentally within myself. And, I mean, football is everything to me or sport is everything to me, but... Um, when your own sort of mental battle becomes uh, becomes a problem, then I think that's where I, I just had to make the decision. And I tell you what, it, it sucked for for the next couple of weeks. I, I battled again. What, did I do the right thing? Did I not? And you sort of you second guess yourself a bit, but then I mean, eventually you you find your feet again. Yeah, yeah, you pick yourself up, and you obviously have. Were you doing anything alongside? with uh, footy at that time? Were you working? Were you at uni? Yeah. Yeah, I was – I was. Uh, I mean, I, I never really considered myself uh, a book smart kid, so uh, uni was never on the on the cards for me. Uh, um, uh, I ended up just getting a job and, and through a couple of friends from uh, that played at Brigades, they um, – the Perrams, one of their – their older brother, Jack, who's almost like a brother to me now, he – he was working at a at a warehouse there at a hospitality distribution center, and um, yeah, he ended up getting me a job because I struggled for the first couple of months after moving down to Perth. So it was nice for him to get me a job and actually have some some money coming in, so I could live on like fend for myself. And 
and uh, have a living there. And yeah, I think that was nice. I ended up uh, working working there for probably about seven or eight years, I think. So yeah, I ended up ended up doing my time there. But uh, yeah, I guess I just came to the realization that it probably wasn't the career choice I wanted to be doing for the rest of my life, and and I decided I needed to look for for different avenues. And was that around the same time you gave up footy that you decided that you needed a new career for working as well? Yeah, oh, it's probably probably after um, after I gave up football, which was which was nice because I don't know if I would have been able to handle all that mentally. But um, yeah, it was it's probably a few years after I I finished up with football, and um, yeah, there was it just. I don't know. After after working working there for so long, and I just thought, you know, there's there's got to be something else out there that I'm I'm happy with and I, that I'd enjoy enjoy doing. I mean, you don't really want to be going to work thinking, oh, here we go again. Like it's another week, and it's just it just drags on a bit. So yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely time weekend, to basically. find something new. Hundred percent, man. That's that's all I was doing. I sort of got caught in a vicious cycle just doing that month after month. So yeah, it was it was time for me to do something new. Uh, and so, what then ended up happening after the footy stage? Like, did you sort of like trial some different things, or what? Pretty much brought onto the spark of you. Nah, let's give NFL a go. Well, I kind of well, I ended up. Um, going down and, and playing a bit of football, a bit of country football at uh, Rockingham Rams and ended up down there with a, another great mate of ours, Tyler Sutton. So he oh, sort yeah. of, he'd been doing it a few years before me and, and said it was it was a good a good club to go to. They're great, great bunch of guys. And I thought, yeah, why not? Let's go and have a go at that. So it was a little bit more of relaxed in terms of like training schedules and um, I guess the social aspect was a lot better as well. You can, no one, no one minded having a drink. So I mean, that was right up my alley. So uh, yeah, I went, I went down there and in, played down there for a year. And believe it or not, I ended up going back to the east, uh, back to east, thinking I'll give it another shot. And still had a few friends there, but yeah, just I don't know, man. I was bouncing around and and ended up uh, sort of, I guess, like you say dawned dawned the uh the era of uh, american football for me yeah perfect and so did someone sort of push you to that or was it always something you had a bit of interest in no i think i i mean uh, like you said like you mentioned before i was never i was always a long kick i never really liked to kick the ball long so um i had a few friends that had mentioned i mean the whole punting academy in australia and all that kind of thing and um even while I was at East Free, East Free AI, I would uh, I would send emails. I'd go onto their website and email them and try and apply and see if there was a chance that I I could get in and and just never really never really heard back from anyone. And then um, I guess through more friends around the waffle and all that kind of stuff, they they knew people like some of my close friends had some of their friends over here already doing it. So it sort of just through the connection of that, I was able to get in contact with the coaches back in Melbourne and of the punting academy, and um, yeah, it kind of just snowballed from there. It was, it was a pretty quick process, to be honest. Yeah, I didn't even realise we had a punting program here. So, is that all around Australia or just in Perth? Yeah, it is. It's um, it's called Pro Kick Australia. There, I mean, Nathan Nathan Chapman and and uh, Johnny, they're the coaches there, and they. They're awesome, man. They um, they know the process of how to get guys over here, and they do it. They do it really well. And uh, yeah, they sort of. Once I got in contact with them, it was at that point in time. It was only in uh, Melbourne. I'm pretty sure they only had the. They had a they had a coach in a, in Perth, but there was maybe two or three guys. But the the main place was in Melbourne, and they had probably forty to fifty. Um, guys all practicing and training together and and getting ready to come over here but um i mean since then it's it's taken off i mean there's a lot of guys over in america at the moment punting and there's even more back home getting ready for that kind of thing so there's there's uh i guess little spots there's one in melbourne sydney brisbane south uh, in adelaide and then 
Perth as well. So they've expanded and um, just purely based off the demand that they they had from, I mean, young men wanting to come over here as well. Yeah, that's that's sick. So the just to put a bit of a um, idea of like the age of around this. So what age were you when you gave up footy, and then what age did you eventually try out for this? I was probably about. 25 26 when i when i gave up football uh back home and then i was yeah 27 when i uh when i ended up coming over here so it's um i mean i'm probably a little bit older than than uh most guys that come over but there's still there was still an opportunity for me to do that even even at my age so uh, i figured why not let's give it a shot is it normal for someone around your age to a, a tryout for it, or is it usually a lot of younger guys? It's uh, I wouldn't say it's it's normal. Um, I mean, there was a couple of guys well, who ended up coming over as well that were, yeah, you're not wrong, mate. <laughs> I've been told that too many times. <laughs> um, no, there was there was a few guys that were that I was uh, training with in Melbourne and. And there was probably three or four of us that were around the same age. So we were probably the older ones of the bunch that um, came over. But most guys are coming out of high school and and starting to train for it and things like that. So um, it is more normal to be early, I mean, late teens, early 20s when you come over. And I, I mean, definitely here, I, I mean, I'm older than some of my coaches in America. So it's it is a little different when they're when they're coaching you and i mean there's guys on my team that are 12 years younger than me so it's it is a little bit of an adjustment but um yeah it's it's uh it is the way it is and i mean we all still get along yeah yeah awesome yeah well it's good to say that like they don't put an age limit on it so and how many days a week would that sort of be would it just be like a one-on-one once a week or was like a was it like dedicated as in footy training basis or just like they would just tell you when to rock up? Yeah, uh, well, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of like a proper training program. So we would kick or punt four days a week and we'd go to the gym four days a week. So it was pretty full on. They would sort of have gym one day and then a punting session the next day and you'd sort of alternate. And then maybe I think it was like a Wednesday they had, um, they had both days, so you'd go and punt and then head to the gym. But um, yeah, it was. I mean, they've they've got to kind of get. They have to get you ready for when you come over here and be prepared for what I guess what you're in for. Um, and I mean, the schedule in in college is is pretty full on. It's it's basically a full time job. So uh, they whilst you would go to practice or go to training back home and go to the gym and then head home it, it was it was kind of nice you'd have the rest of the day for yourself but yeah it's um it's definitely not like that here yeah yeah and did it sort of work alongside were you working full-time at then that point or was it just like completely all on in this no nah, it was it was all on so um i mean that was the hard thing for me was quitting my job and selling my car and deciding that I was going to move to Melbourne to learn a sport that I'd never played before based off two coaches' opinions that I'd never met face-to-face before. And, yeah, it was it was kind of a, a big leap of faith. You, you put a lot of trust into them. And, um, I mean, their record speaks for itself. But, yeah, it was, it was definitely a, bi- a big step for me. And I think the thing that was lucky and helped me that I – when I when I did finally quit my job, I'd been there for over seven years, so I had a long service payout. I had holiday pay that I got, so right, yeah. that sort of went to went to me just living off that for a year, and um, and yeah, basically putting all my time and effort into into learning the punting game and and getting ready. Yeah, that's that's awesome. You took that leap. Like most people would hear that and just go, "Nah, that's too risky." There's the cons outweigh the pros in that manner. So that's awesome. You ended up taking that leap. Yeah, it was uh, it was hard to convince the parents that yeah, I'm doing this. Like this is this is what I want to do. And they sort of 
yeah, you're not wrong. But yeah, it was it was one of those things. It was just like I've always kind of been like a try something and then think about it later and and figure out if it was the right thing later on and suffer the consequences, I guess. So, I mean, mum and dad sort of thought, well, you've jumped the gun on this. You need to do more research. But I had my mind set and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, luckily it all paid off. That's that mindset you need definitely just to go in for it and have like, you'd obviously have some doubts flicking through but at the same time if you believe in yourself and you got that faith and you have other people backing you like it makes a huge difference to drive you the next step from there yeah yeah it really does and i mean a lot of my teammates and and friends in perth they were all pushing for me to do it and and thought it'd be a good idea and i eventually got got the parents on my side and and the rest of the family on my side i mean they're all they're all for it. Worst comes to worst, it, it doesn't work out and you end up working anyway and, and figuring it out yeah. from there. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, they were all on board after a little while and, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely on board with it now, that's for sure. That's the last thing you want to do is live in that, like, what if I had done it? What if I made that leap of faith? So it's awesome you took that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what sort of drives me with a lot of things. It's more... If I do it, it doesn't work out. Well, I haven't lost anything. But if I if I don't try something that that I'm questioning, and then all of a sudden later on in life, I could be sitting there going, "Ah, I should have, I should have done this." And and like you said, that what if sort of comes into it. So I was, yeah, it was it was a tough battle in your mind. But I think you just gotta you gotta jump at some of these chances and and see where you end up. Yeah. Ah, oh, great. And how long were you sort of in that program for? So I joined in January 2020 um, and was in that for it's it's supposed to be around a year program um, and I was I was in that for probably around four months before I was offered a scholarship to come over and, and punt at USF so that was a fairly quick process and I was still very green um, with with learning everything but I mean, they they'll offer you the scholarship fairly early on in the year and then you've got i guess the rest of the year to to build up all the skills and everything that you need to so um yeah it was it all happened pretty quick but i was i, I knew i had time on my side with getting ready because i wasn't coming over until the next year yeah that's that's amazing how quick that process is so was it did you have to apply for like a college or do they do all that stuff for you on their end they the coaches kind of do all that uh, do all that for you so um, what they what they do tell you to do is when you get there and you start getting a little bit more, more consistent with with your punting you'll you'll get some film together and edit the film and put it all together so you've got a few clips of of you punting like ball after ball and um, then you'll send send the coaches the film and they sort of in the first couple of months they like to get a get a good basis of what you want out of this, your lifestyle, what suits you. And I mean, they've got a reputation to uphold. So they don't really want you to come over here and hate where you're at because you're, you don't like the lifestyle and then want to go home because then it, it obviously affects them as well as, as the college over here. So I guess over two months, they sort of realized that uh, I'm a, I'm a beach kid. I, I love, I love the ocean and, and they want me to, they want to put me somewhere by the water, and uh, I guess being being 27 when I came over, they didn't really want to send me to a college town because when they go on spring break or I mean Christmas break and all that kind of stuff, then there wouldn't be a lot to do there, and you'd be kind of or you'd be pretty bored. So they decided they wanted to send me to to a bigger city where I had a bit more to like fill my days with if I if I wanted to. Yeah, right. That's that's huge. So they they treat you sort of like as they treat you as a person instead of just going, all right, cool. You've ticked all the boxes. We'll send you to America, and hopefully you like it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's and that's the re, uh, the relationship that they have with a lot of the colleges over here and and the coaches that they're going to send the best person and for that and the best fit possible for their for their program. I mean. It looks good on their resume if they can get another kid over here and successfully 
get a degree and all those those kinds of things. So, I mean, their record speaks for itself. They haven't had too many guys want to go home. And, yeah, I mean, they obviously want you to be happy as well. You've put a lot of, like, time and effort in with them and, and I guess, put your life, put your future in their hands, I guess you could say. And so they, they, they definitely want to do right by you. And, I mean, myself and, and a lot of the guys that I know over here that have gone through it, can't, can't thank them enough. Yeah, that's great. So when when going like and getting accepted in for college, I've watched a lot of American movies. I'm a huge American Pie fan. Is it what you ex- yeah. expected it to be or was it a little bit different being a bit older going in? Uh, it's definitely a little bit different uh, being a bit older. You, you have a different outlook on life and, I mean, there's – I guess you being a bit older, you tend to put your put your studies first because you know that's what's important and that's what's going to keep you on the team at at the most. So um, you put that before going out and partying and all that kind of stuff. But I I also had the the idea of American Pie in my head when I came over and I thought, oh shit, what am I getting myself in for? But it's um, I mean, the college that I'm at isn't quite like that. With the you still have parties here and there but it's it's definitely not like you would see i mean there's there's bigger schools or other schools that are uh, i guess bigger with their frats and sororities and and that becomes a big thing so i've i've heard rumors that other schools it's it can be a little it can be similar to to what it's like in american pie but um yeah it's it's not too not not quite like that where i'm at which which i'm not too mad about in relation to your studies, as a, how does the college system work? Like here in Australia with the university, you sort of choose a degree and then you have to do that degree. Is it very similar over there or can you chop and change? Uh, you can chop and change, I think. I mean, I when I first came over, I was doing sports teaching and uh, I, re- I mean, I, I wanted to do that. I thought I'm good with kids. And I figured I, I really like sports, so maybe that'd be a career path that I'd enjoy. And I ended up doing that for the first two years, and it wasn't until the end of it I, I sort of looked at it and figured that they might. Well, I don't think the the standards of school teaching over here. I would have to do more studies to make it, I guess, um, to be qualified in Australia. So I'd probably have to study for an extra six months to change all that over when I get back there. But um, yeah, I ended up. I ended up changing my degree to communications and I I think that sort of holds a bit of weight if I was to come home and um, I mean the the career choice for that is a lot broader than than just school teaching so um, yeah at the end of my sophomore year I ended up changing into communications so I started that at, at the start of this year but I mean the first the first two years of your uh, of your degree so you freshman and your sophomore year it's more electives elective classes and things like that so uh it's not until i guess your second uh your third and fourth year that's where you really hone in on your specific courses for that degree yeah right so yeah it's it's a quite different to the university type setup then yeah that's cool what yeah. any reason for communications is it something you had an interest in or you just um I don't know if it's something I initially had interest in, but it, I mean, for me, it definitely fits well with my football schedule that I've got, which is obviously the main reason why I'm here. But um, I guess I just want to have a, a broader range of careers that I could go into. So, I mean, there's there's obviously journalism. There's, I mean, you can go into the, into the media and uh, do all that kind of stuff. There's, uh, I mean, you can go media marketing and do that kind of stuff with, with communication. So it's, yeah, there's, there's a whole few, a, a bigger range for me to, to choose from when it, when it comes time. And when you're sort of trying to get into like your studies along with football, how does that sort of balance out with each other? Is there dedicated time for your studies and then they allow you to play football at the same time or how, how does it sort of work? So, I know for uh, all the all student athletes. Um, I'm not sure about the other sports, but I know for specifically for football, 
we have to do i mean classes can be worth three credits two credits uh, one credit depending on how hard they are and um for for football players to be eligible to play you have to i think it's still a minimum of 12 credits um 12 credits a semester so yeah i mean there's there's definitely guys that have gone to college here and at other schools that either fail too many classes or yeah don't don't take enough credits and they're not eligible to play it's it's all to do with the the ncaa and how they how they have all the ruling and and everything with that so um i mean we you, yeah you got it you got to take you got to take the courses but um yeah it's it, it fits in fairly well. I mean, football is a big part for the university. It's a big, big driver of uh, financial like income for the for the university. So uh, they usually work they'll work classes around football. So I mean, we'll most of the our football schedule at the moment we practice every morning, and that's from you, you'll start from breakfast at six o'clock and you'll finish practice at eleven thirty ish. And that gives you enough time to go and have lunch. And I mean, on Mondays, straight after lunch, I'm I'm heading to class at twelve thirty, and um, they sort of schedule all your classes in the afternoon. So if you don't have any classes, you've got the afternoon off. But um, most of the time, it's yeah, most of the week you've got you got football in the morning and then classes in the afternoon. And if you're not doing that, then you're obviously trying to get your assignments and projects done. So then you can have the weekends free at least. Yeah, yeah, and you would—you're on a scholarship, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm on a full ride scholarship, which means uh, basically all my my books, my textbooks, and everything like that. Classes are paid for. Um, my, I guess the, the food, food is all paid for as well as part of like the football program and and uh, the university. So breakfast, lunch, and most of the time dinner as well depending on uh if there's holidays and things like that but yeah that's that's all paid for uh which is which is definitely nice and then just means i'll i'll get a stipend or i'll get a a check each month or a deposit into my into my bank account which is obviously where your rent and bills come out of and then whatever's left over is i guess for you to do what you will with it yeah and is most people on the football team in, on a scholarship, uh, I'd say probably two thirds. I think we've got. I think we've got about one hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty guys on the team, um, and Jesus probably Christ. around eighty. Yeah, probably about eighty of them are on are on scholarship. So, um, yeah, most most guys will probably be on a full ride, but there are guys that are that are walk ons, which obviously have to. I don't know how they do it, but they got to find time to study, play football, and I guess find a job and and help pay for help pay for their schooling. Yeah, that's insane. That's yeah. Well, luckily having that scholarship that would make it that little bit easier on yourself. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong, mate. I I don't know how I'd handle it not being able to not being able to uh, well having to work and do all that kind of stuff on top of it. It's it's pretty tough, but it also gives you a great appreciation for, I guess, these guys that that do that and and do make it work and and somehow find that way. And I mean, I'm sure you've probably seen a couple uh, on a, on sports on the sports sites and uh, social media where where kids are getting offered a scholarship and they're crying, the whole team goes nuts. And I mean, we've had guys like that on our team get it, and it's it just gives you a great appreciation of what I guess I've got and what a lot of people have, but there's also a lot of guys on the team that don't have that and work just as hard, if not harder to, to just be a part of it. So yeah, it's, I'm definitely lucky, but um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys out there that aren't quite as lucky. In relation to like your actual football. So you've been sent over there, you're settling into your college, Nat, you've rocked up to your first session. What was that feeling like? Yeah, it was it was different, man. Uh, do you remember it? We had, I mean, that was right. Yeah, I do very clearly. It was. Um, we were right in the middle of COVID, so I, I had to quarantine in a hotel for a week, and then oh, um, that's gross. yeah, I ended up having to go. 
yeah, I ended up having to go and get some COVID tests done as soon as I got here at athletics. And yeah, I remember walking in um, with one of the coaches and before we even got in the doors up, my eyes were just blown. I mean, there was squirrels running around and I'd never seen them before. So I was, I was sort of going nuts and my coach is just looking at me like, mate, are you all right? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's just a squirrel. <laughs> but it was just one of those things. It was just something that I'd never seen before and wasn't wasn't used to. But yeah, it was um I still remember it. It was I I was really I was quite intimidated because there is so many guys and you sort of don't really know what you're in for in terms of the football aspect and how the rest of the team is gonna perceive you. I mean you I was twenty seven coming in, so it was like, okay, well are they just going to think here's a, a random guy from another country and he's he's older? Like, what is he doing here? Like, how are they going to take that on board? So it was quite nerve wracking. But there was a another Aussie punter here before me that I ended up taking over from. So I mean, it was it was kind of good to have him and help me get on my feet a bit better. But um, my roommate that I live with now, he's the the tight end on our team and. I, he was my first roommate that I moved in with and he was great. I mean, he sort of went, righto, let me help you with your bags. They're down. We'll sort your room out later. Let's go and meet a heap of the guys on the team and, and introduce me. And I think without having that, I would have been really lost because I don't mind talking to people and I can hold my own in a conversation. But when it comes to that first introduction, I think that's where I, I get really anxious and I, and I struggle to do that stuff. So it was uh, it was definitely nice having having him there breaking down that barrier for me. Yeah, that would have made that, that a little bit easier too. So, was it kind of welcoming going into there? Did you find that like you had to most people straight away inviting you and welcoming you in, or did you find it was a little intimidating to the point not being many people were talking to you? No, it wasn't wasn't too intimidating. I know you sort of stick around with the guys that you know but um yeah i mean i didn't find it too intimidating i think coming from uh, australia it was kind of like you're from a another planet and guys just want to hear you say mate and talk about kangaroos so i mean it's half the people on the team haven't haven't left the country so they don't know anything else so just uh the the accent definitely helps break down that barrier because they just want to joke around with you and have some fun and um yeah it was it was kind of nice. So you, you get to know the guys pretty quick. Yeah, so the Aussie accent pretty much got you through that initial stage there then. Yeah, it definitely did, mate. And I think after about six to seven months of hearing mate and all the other Aussie slang, that shrimp on the barbie and all that kind of stuff, it was like, yeah, all right, all right fellas, this is getting a bit much now. We can we can end on that. But no, nah, it was... um. It was good. I mean, it definitely helps. It's a talking point. It, it's easy for people to come and talk to you uh, because they just want to hear you speak. So, yeah, it was, it was like, it was nice. But um, yeah, I mean, without, without that, I probably would have struggled a little bit. Could have been a lot more intimidating than than what it originally was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want you to go into too much detail about this. I I only know a little bit about uh, American football now. There's huge teams. There's two different teams that play on the one team. Your role specifically is just as a punter. So just walk us through what a standard training session is versus what you're doing in an actual game. Yeah, so in a game, for me, it's, I mean, my very first special teams coach always used to come up and wish me luck and would say, I hope you don't play because if the punter is not on the field, then your offense is doing all right. So um, they they like me to play as little as possible, which is tough sometimes because you do all this training all year round and you want to be able to kick the ball a few times in a game. But um, if you're not kicking the ball, then your team's doing pretty good, which is obviously what you want as well. But yeah, I mean... We'll, they'll, they'll go through, I mean, the position group that I'm in is, is special teams and that's your, your punting and then your punt block team when the other team is punting as well. Uh, you have your kickoff and then your field goal and stuff like that. So there's probably nine guys in my position group. There'll be two punters, uh, 
I think we've got eight at the moment. No. But yeah, we've got four four kickers, two punters, and two long snappers. So it's a it's a small position group. Um, and we, I mean, in the summer, we definitely do all the same training that the rest of the team does. But when it comes to spring, which is in the first half of the year and, and the fall, which is obviously um, what we're in now, it's the rest of the team does a lot more physical work, I guess you could say, than what we do. Um, ours is more a practice. It's more just designed to really work on those finer skills and and i guess the finer detail of our position to to make sure that that we get it right i mean most most position groups have each other to rely on out on the field whether it's tackling and all that kind of stuff but um for the specialist you kind of on your own you got to make split like quick decisions i mean i, I have to punt the ball in uh, two seconds at, at most it's got to be under that and that's from the time right. someone like snaps me the ball and I catch it and then got to kick it. So it's, it's a really quick, quick process. And yeah, every, there's a lot of things that have to go right. The angle of the ball, how, if it drops flat, depending on the wind, your, your steps that you take. So there's a lot of little details that, that have to go right for it to be, to be a good punt. So we spend most of our time working on all that kind of stuff, whether it's, ball drops getting in the jugs machine to to catch balls to work on your hands and things like that mm. so um yeah we've we're sort of through the i guess the hard part of the year where you're like the physical part of the year where you're doing a lot of running and and the heavy weights and things like that but now it's just down to the the finer details yeah have, have you had any really bad fuck-ups on the game day yeah mate i i had a couple last year my first season went all right I was um, had a pretty good season, and then yeah, there was there was a game last year. The ball got snapped to me, and I took my eyes off the ball while trying to while trying to roll out, and it um it hit my hit my fingers and fell straight in front of me. And I mean, and when you're punting, you've got about eight or nine other guys on the other team that are that are trying to run straight at you and block the punt, or if you've still got hold of the ball, then pretty much take you out so I, I panicked and the ball was on the ground and I thought because it was behind the the line where it initially started that I could still soccer it off the ground so I did that which which was a uh, which was a penalty against me and uh, yeah I, I strained my hamstring while doing that so I got taken out of the game and abused by the coaches which is which is pretty normal when something like that happens. But, I mean, it definitely didn't lose us the game because it was – I think we were getting smoked in that game. So it was like 40-something to zero. So it wasn't uh, – it didn't lose us the game, but I definitely thought I'd lost my spot on the team and then eventually came back after my uh, after my injury and had probably four or five games left and um, got back in a couple of weeks later. I think we were playing up in – up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it was snowing the night before the game and it was freezing. I don't think I've ever been in colder weather. I had a ski mask on, I had a hand warmer and little heater things in my in my hand warmer and yeah, ended up going out on the ground to from for a punt and yeah, same thing happened. Drop drop the damn thing again. So uh, that was that was my year done. I didn't play the the next two games after that, which was it's pretty tough because I mean, when something goes wrong like that, there's it's no one's fault but your own, and and you can't really blame anyone else. But um, yeah, the second time I did it was crucial point in the game. We still had a chance of winning, and that gave the other team the ball, and then they scored another touchdown. So it was uh, a pretty big mental barrier to get over and realize that I can do it. I was, I mean, you start punting's probably more more mental than it is physical, and if you get in your head, that's where problems can problems can come about and um i mean we do a lot of work with our sports psychologist as well and just a bit of like mental training and i guess things you can do to keep your mind in a neutral position not not get too high but not get too low when things happen and and just uh keep your mind focused so uh i mean look we're going to this year it's a new year and feeling pretty good at at, I guess all the work that we've done leading up to up to the season, and uh, yeah, I'm just ready to sort of get back into the thick of it again. 
Hopefully minimal kicks for you, mate. That'll make it all the better. Be nice, mate. We we haven't had a winning season since I've been here. So, uh, I mean, I've watched a few of my friends go to bowl games and get championship rings, and it'd be nice to nice to have something for myself to show um, when it's all said and done. Yeah, definitely. You want to get some reward out of it. How was your uh, first ever game? Was it like when will you see the shows and that of college football? It looks like the crowds are insane. Did you have that experience your first game or? Yeah, yeah, I did. We, I mean, we played uh, NC State, so North Carolina State, and we went up there, and it was it's kind of cool. I mean. You go, you go to a, a hangar at the airport and get on the own, get on your own plane with just your team, and it's, it's like a, I don't even know what size plane it is, but one that would take you from Perth to Sydney and things like that, and yeah, it's, it fits the whole team on there, and they charter that plane for the, for the week or, or for the weekend, just for the like the couple of days, but um, yeah, it's it's a different experience. I mean, you're getting police escorts to the game and. When we we turned up to their stadium, and obviously tailgating's a a massive thing over here. So you're getting the police escort in, and all the fans will come and line the line the road where you're driving by. And I mean, we we were getting flipped off by by a lot of the uh, the, the NC State fans, which was uh, which was kind of funny. And then yeah, the first game we played, there was I think it was fifty two thousand people that we played in front of, which was bigger than anything I'd ever played in front of at East Romano or Railways. Um, and so, yeah, it was – it's cool being in a massive stadium and, and being a part of that. And, I mean, it's you, – you're getting heckled from left, right, wherever. I mean, they're, they're very passionate. I think we probably had 200 people in the stands. The rest were all all their fans. So, they're, they're all diehards. And, I mean, the, the rowdy – the rowdy fans, I guess you could call them, will will find your name on the back of your jersey and search you up on Instagram, or and they'll they'll find anything they can to to try and get under your skin and and get you to bite back and not focus on the Still game. But a little bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. They definitely love doing that, which is, I mean, for me, it doesn't really matter. It's, I mean, I grew up with friends that would constantly try and get under your skin, so you sort of you sort of well well used to it when I when I came over here but um I mean yeah that was it was insane it's just incredibly loud I mean 52,000 people when I first went out to punt and I mean my teammates uh seven yards in front of me calling out what the punt what the punt uh scheme that we were doing what we were going to run for that one and luckily we had sorted it out on the sideline beforehand because when he was calling it out in the middle, like in the middle of the field, I, I couldn't hear a thing. It was just so loud. So you kind of got to zone out and and just focus on what you're doing and pretend that you can't sort of hear it at all. It all has to become white noise. But yeah, it's 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 insane. It's some of the best experiences I've ever had playing in front of a lot of the fans. Uh, I mean, what they do and their traditions that they have is is incredible. I mean, we we played in front of uh, I think it was eighty. 88,000 when we played the Florida Gators at their home stadium. And yeah, that, that, that was nuts to see that many people. And um, I mean, it's, it's like an AFL game. It's, it's in, it's insane. It's an so AFL finals it's game. kind of cool. I mean, yeah, it, it really is. And I mean, that's, that's an experience. Not many people from Australia get to have playing in front of that many people. And um, I mean, I'm, I'll always be proud of that, but I mean, it's cool. I, Definitely at their three quarter time break. I mean the the Gators fans though they have their tradition of playing Thomas Petty, I won't back down and it I mean, I was standing on the sidelines. We got a game that we're supposed to be focused on and I was standing there watching eighty eight thousand people with their their phone lights on all singing Thomas Petty at the same time, which is I mean, it's stuff like that that I'll never forget. It's 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 you insane experience, that's for it? sure. You gotta take a moment to take it all in. Yeah, you definitely do, and I mean that's that's been one of my big things coming over here. It's obviously to take in these moments, be focused, but definitely take a moment, whether it's before the game or during a TV timeout while the game's on, just to to look around and I guess appreciate where I am and and what I'm fortunate enough to do. 
Ah, oh, that's awesome. You sounds like you're having like the best time over there, just seeing, meeting, experiencing all this stuff. Yeah, I am, mate. I might not come home. <laughs> might see how long I can do it for. I do not blame you if you don't. In in relation to that, so you've gone over solo. You don't. You knew a few people over there. You mentioned, but. How has it been sort of being away from all your close family, your friends? I know you've got, you're quite close with all your family. Do you get a lot of homesickness? Was that early days or do you still get that to, to this day? Um, I still get it to this day. Uh, on like, I guess certain times of the year when we're, when, when we're playing football or like during season or even in early in the spring season, you're practicing five days a week. So, um, and then you've got classes, so you can you can keep your mind busy and not thinking about home, I guess, and things like that. But um, definitely do get homesick. I know there's weekends where guys will fly home or drive home and see their family because they haven't seen them in a month. And a lot of the guys will talk about that and be like, oh, you know, it's, it's tough. I haven't seen my family in a month. And, I mean, last time I saw my family was May last year, so... It's it's been quite a while, and yeah, I mean that it's it's more tough around like I guess when they celebrate Thanksgiving over here because they that's a time that's special for them and where they all get with their families and in, and enjoy that and and Christmas time as well because we sort of play late November early December that's when our season finishes and then if we if we make finals we go into December and then. I'll have to be back here January 9th for the start of the start of school. So um, you don't get a lot of time high, a lot of time off, and then with flights being around three grand round trip, it's it's a lot of money. And I mean, I'm obviously grateful for being on scholarship, but um, I'm on an education visa, which is what everyone, most internationals are on. So it means I can't work. I'm not allowed to work because then you're breaking a federal law. So um, I mean, that's sort of tough to be able to – a scholarship check's nice to pay your bills and live off while you're here, but it's definitely not something that you can just save up in, I guess, over two or three months yeah, and yeah. buy a plane ticket home. It's it's sort of not designed for that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough not being able to see them and not having them be able to come over here as often, but obviously understandable it's a, it's a 30-hour – 30-hour trip to, to get here. So, um, I mean, I knew it was going to be like that coming into it, but that's where I rely on my teammates and, and my friends to keep my mind busy when, when we do have a bit of downtime. But, I mean, there's there's also a number of Aussies um, at USF as well. I mean, we've got two guys on the men's tennis team and another girl on the women's tennis team. So, yeah, I mean, I obviously – talk to them quite a lot and similar experiences if there's yeah. ever any holidays where I might be sitting on my own and feeling feeling down I guess that's where that's where they come into it we sort of get together and and uh look after each other yeah no it's handy having that little social group there I I sort of like mine's experience is a little bit different I mean I only moved up to Darwin which is about a four-hour flight from Perth um no family no friends up there and I found like as exciting it was going up there and like obviously your first month or so, you sort of just got that bit of a homesickness because you you know you're not, you can't just get home or see your friends, see your family like you used to. But I found like even though it was yeah. getting that bit easier, the worst was when say something went wrong, like if you had a really bad day at work. For you, it might be you've had a bad game, bad session, something's gone wrong that's when it hit hard the most like because you just you felt so alone yeah i i definitely find that as well i mean i it's it's tough when you got those games but i mean obviously my my roommate he's on the football team as well so when stuff goes wrong i mean it's the same for him and and we're pretty good at um picking each other up i know there's times where he's come into my room and we've just He's had a bad day and, and we've talked it out and sort of, I guess, just been that, that ear for him. And, and he's definitely been that for me as well when there's whenever anything's sort of going wrong or I'm not feeling how I'd want to, I'm not feeling as happy as I normally would be, then we sort of bounce off each other. And um, he's been a big support system for me 
in that regard. And I mean, since this year, I mean, uh, I've started dating a, a lovely young lady over here, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, we she's she's you also give that her a little plug, mate. Yeah, she's that. Yeah, got to mate, got to do the right thing. But no, she's she's great as well. She's obviously doesn't play football, so it's not like I have to talk about football with her or anything like that. It just takes my mind away from it and gives me a bit of a mental refresher. But between between the two of them, I mean, they they're both really really good people, and 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 I'm glad that they're there for me in in moments of, I mean, when I'm enjoying stuff and want to talk about it, and and obviously when I'm not. And, uh, need someone just to listen to me. So, yeah, it's it's nice having, like you say, that that, that little support group. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, obviously you, you got FaceTime as well, where you can call home. But it's not quite yeah. the same when they're not it's, there in it's person. The same. It's it's nice having that option, but it just still isn't the same. The moment you hang up the call, you just go, oh yeah, I'm still alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm still all the way over here on my own. So no, it's it's good, mate. I mean, I've. Got a year and a half to go, and then we'll make some decisions on on whether I come home or whether I stay. So we'll see what happens. I've um I've had the opportunity to send a couple of videos to you as well. Our good friend of ours, Tommy Rayner, um, living up in Darwin. Yeah. He every time we did speak about this earlier. Every time we'd go out for a couple of drinks, there would always be one moment where he goes, "I got a sensor to Stokesy." So he'd hear me your phone. And make me record it and send it to him. I have yeah. no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> but I'll just have to send it to him. Did you yeah, I mean, yeah, I did. It's, it's stuff like that that makes you laugh, mate, and and definitely gets me through my days. It's, um, I mean, it was it was also a thing. I, I figured when I came over here, I didn't know if my friends would still talk to me as often and if they'd keep in touch. But um, yeah, I mean, things like Instagram and and Snapchat, obviously make that a bit easier and you still talk to I still talk to everyone most days and um yeah I mean obviously it it's not quite suitable for when Tommy Rayner gets has gets on the piss <laughs> and has a few beers but uh it's always a laugh that's for sure you sort of already went into it but what's sort of next for you is the plan to continue with college are you wanting to push to go to NFL like what, what's that next step um I mean for me it was more Obviously, like I said earlier, I've always wanted to play sport for a living, and if I can get paid to do that, then um, yeah, I mean that'd be my life dream complete. I always thought it was AFL was my dream, but I think it's just playing sport for a living would be my dream. So, um, I mean, I'd I'd love a shot at the NFL. Obviously, for a punter to get drafted or um, get picked up by a team is it's a pretty slim chance. It's I think it's like one percent of all uh, players drafted a are, punters. Are so there's there's not too many because it's not a very high turnover position. Um, but I mean, I think the the big goal for me was obviously getting an education and getting that degree. Uh, obviously, it's a pretty unique opportunity where it's all paid for, and I think that for me is is what I want because it, it will stay with me for life. It doesn't matter is how what happens i'll always have that that degree but um yeah i mean getting to the next level and and punting in the nfl would be would be a, a massive 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 bonus for me and i, I, um, I, I mean a really good quote I, that, like you just mentioned before about um your you're wanting that dream of playing afl but it's not quite going to happen so this is sort of that next thing it was funnily enough from a comedian i don't know if you know tom Segura. But it really relates yeah. to what you mentioned. Like it's you can have a dream and it's fine to have your dream, but as long as you understand that that dream might not go the way you think, it may just go on a different avenue. Yeah. So it's still something you're thinking about, but it's yeah. just a different path. And that sounds exactly like what you're mentioning there. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think I mean I've always I had goals in my mind of what I want to do with my life and what I want to do with sport and what I want to do with work and things like that. And I think the older I've gotten, the more narrower, uh, I guess the more broader these my goals have gotten. I think when I was younger, it was uh, I want to play AFL for a living and that was it. Um, and I sort of pigeonholed myself to that. So then when that didn't come out, it was like, oh my God, 
I've failed. I haven't done what I wanted to do. But I think now just having the dream of playing sport for a living, I mean, I'd, I'd love to do that. And I think that, like, like you said before, like obviously it was AFL, but then who would have thought that? I mean, I would never have pictured that I was going to come over here and play American football in a million years. And here I am doing it and here I am loving it. And yeah, I mean, back then I would have, I would have thought that by giving up AFL that my dream was over. But I mean, here we are today and it's still, still alive and kicking, still breathing just. a dream, yeah. You've actually made me pretty jealous going like, I wish I could have done something like that. Mate, I think you're doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it's debatable, you know. Standard, uh, standard dream. Of <laughs> the end of my late, end of my twenties, start of my thirties, doing a podcast on my own. <laughs> Podcasts are all the rage. They're taking off in this day and age. Yeah, so you might be onto something. Just a little, little plug up there for you. <laughs> yeah, Matt, mate, mate get around it. <laughs> Did uh, you? Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> Stokes, mate, I honestly could talk to you for so long, but I do need to get about my day as well. And I know you need to get some sleep too. You've probably had a hell of a day. Um, honestly, I can't appreciate exactly it right. enough you giving the time up today to do this. Couldn't have asked for a better interview, to be honest. You've, you've basically given me a full rundown of the whole sport. And I actually, I'm going to make an effort, I promise you, this coming season to watch more episodes. Yeah, you definitely have to, mate. We'll uh, there's there's always games um, on. It's it's a little hard with the time difference sometimes, but I mean our our nighttime games are your your early morning games, so you might have to uh, put the TV on one day when I'm playing and and have a watch. Well, hopefully I don't see much of you then. I mean that that mean you're winning, right? <laughs> you you see me on the sidelines just cheering on the rest of my team, mate. <laughs> Thanks so much for today, mate. It's It's been nah. awesome to get to chat with you, catch up with you. And I really think that this conversation we've had is going to be able to relate, relate back to some other people too and get an understanding of what you've gone through and how it can relate back to them as well. No problem, mate. I, I appreciate you having me on. It's, uh, it's been good to catch up and, and have a chat with you. It won't be the last time, I promise you. I'm going to have you on again when you've made that NFL dream come true. No. Nah. Sounds good, brother. Let's let's uh, let's speak it into fruition. Let's get it happening. <laughs> Cheers, Stokes. Thanks, mate. Thanks, brother. Thanks for listening to the Matt and Mates podcast. If you enjoyed the show and feeling generous, you can like, follow, or subscribe on our socials and whatever platform you're listening on. And for those wanting to go that bit further, you can leave a review and share with your friends and family as well. If you have any recommendations on guests, give feedback or advertise on the pod, flick an email to contact at mattandmates.com.au. Stay tuned for the next episode when it drops. And as always, I love you all. Yeah. Yeah.